0: listeners, and welcome to this next episode of How Do You EQ? Let me start by just giving a shout out to our returning listeners. We're so glad to have you back for another episode. And welcome to those who are listening in for the first time to How Do You EQ? This is a podcast where industry disruptors and changemakers share their firsthand experiences about building, growing, and cultivating innovative companies that start with a people-first approach. I'm your host, Sue Hager. I'm Chief Communications Officer at EQRX. And we host this podcast because at EQRX, we believe our people-first approach enables us to deliver tangible benefits to people across the globe who need access to affordable, high-quality medicines. Over the course of this podcast, we'll be talking with people who are really thoughtful culture builders, and we'll gain some important perspectives from big thinkers in the world of work. Today, I am joined by an industry shaper and thought leader in the world of work, and he's also a best-selling author, Brian Adams. So welcome, Brian.
1: Hey, great to be here. Thanks so much.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining. Uh, So just by way of background, Brian is the founder and CEO of PH Creative. PH Creative is a leading employer brand strategy and communications agency where he and his team have shaped employer brand strategies for some of the world's most notable brands like Apple, Virgin, and Visa, just to name a few. I feel like and this is where I say, we're not worthy, we're not worthy, but it's so cool to have you here. So thanks for joining us. As far as EQRX professional superpowers go, I would say Brian is a dreamer. He's always bringing big, bold, and innovative ideas to the practice of recruitment and retention and driving the evolution of perceptions on talent and branding as we know it. And if that isn't enough, Brian is also a best-selling author. He's written several books, including uh, one of my favorites, which I memorized, Brian, Give, get, (laughs) which I know we're going to be talking about today. So I'm super excited you're here and I'm really looking forward to digging into this conversation with you. Me too. Maybe just to get started, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about how you got involved in the world of employer branding. Do you, you know, you're sitting around, you're five years old, and you're like, I think I want to major in employer branding. No, I'm kidding. That wasn't a thing (laughs) back then. So, like, how does this happen?
1: So, great question. She's, Coming up to um, 17 years old now, that makes me feel old. But when we started, we were a general digital marketing agency. So I'm a recovering marketer. So about, must be getting on for 10 years ago, we started to... slowly specialize and it was by accident we worked with a couple of recruitment companies uh, we helped their clients uh, with some digital attraction mm-hmm. and we, we noticed there was something to this so we started to slowly specialize from that perspective and we took all of our digital marketing strategy and process because most of it uh, translated mm-hmm. but we saw some gaps so we, sl- we started building new processes designing new strategy and start from the ground up, only to find out the employer brand industry uh, actually just lifted and shifted marketing. But um, <laughs> I think through naivety, we, we found we were onto something. So that's how um, Give and Get methodology was born, and that, that's what helped us grow as we focused in niche. You know, it was probably the best best thing we did. So it was a happy accident. And <laughs> as a sort of entrepreneur looking to scale, we also found that HR leaders. Were happy to talk to us they actually answered the phone and they were interested in what we had to say <laughs> that is, marketing directors never taking your calls. so we went from having six million and one competitors globally to about 12 overnight so that's what made us focus
0: That's super cool. And in your answer, I think you use the word happy like three or four times, which I feel (laughs) is part of the cornerstone of what PH Creative is all about. Because on your website, you talk about effective employer branding also means happy employees. So can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, we call ourselves the defenders of happiness at PH Creative. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I noticed sense. on your website, you're holding a shield and a sword. and I was like, is that purposeful or? <laughs>
1: well, we might touch on that later because that was, I was in the office of uh, one of our clients and that shield and sword represents something really cool actually. But we do have a lot of fun with our clients and our work. But from a happiness perspective, it does sound fluffy and idealistic, doesn't it? But I've always been interested in neuroscience and psychology. Mm-hmm. I'm no expert, but I'm, I know enough to be dangerous.
0: That's definitely but, an area where you just want to speak it. Neuroscience. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. What, what's the worst that can happen? Ah. Yeah. Um, but but I'm a, I've been a lifelong sort of student and it's definitely been enough for me to stay in an area of research for, for a lot of years. And quite obviously every human needs to satisfy some basic needs just to be happy. But when we apply that lens to the world of work, mm-hmm. from our research and what I'm reading and observing with clients for years and years and really digging into sort of trying to get to the derivative of what it's all about mm-hmm. um, at, at work can find that correlation. We found that the sort of three main buckets that you need to satisfy they there, a sense of impact, a mm-hmm. sense of purpose, and a sense of, of belonging. When we look at that, if you add that up, that's how to find fulfillment in, in work, and that's where we get happiness from. We spend most of our time at work. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're set out to achieve. So our, our belief is if we can help some of the world's biggest employers better articulate who they are, Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly, this sort of the well-rounded truth of who they are, then candidates can make better informed decisions as to whether they'll find impact, purpose, and belonging at that place. And the employees or associates will find acknowledgement and appreciation. So if we can can help organisations approach employee brand in that way, then there's a shot at everybody finding happiness, which is what impact, purpose, and belonging adds up to. So it sounds fluffy, but there is method to the madness.
0: Yeah, I think part of if you're a small employer brand, or even if you're a global employer brand, when you talk about impact, purpose, and belonging, it touches on both being authentic as an employer brand and actually tapping into some really great storytelling. And if you can merge telling a great story as an employer brand and just being really true to who you are and what Mm -hmm. your brand and culture represents and that's sort of like the sweet spot. So do you have examples of some of the work with your clients that you might be able to share with our listeners today?
1: So from a storytelling perspective, we we always find storytelling gold. In every organization, it's never Mm -hmm. failed. If you ask the right questions and dig deep. In fact, we're not happy unless, when we run a persona workshop or a research workshop, we're not happy until somebody starts to cry. Now that's always <laughs> the <laughs> because if if you make somebody cry, once we'll you guys make people cry. <laughs> if you can evoke that much emotion with somebody who's telling a story, a personal story, or sometimes we've actually seen this in Blizzard Entertainment, which which like there's so many good stories at Blizzard. We've seen one person was telling a story and several people around them were crying. I was like, this is a good wow. one. Wow, home is run! You know? So, <laughs> and the thing with authentic employer branding is we want to authentically articulate the employee experience today so it feels genuine and authentic but most company leaders are forward-facing and they've got one eye on the future and they know what they want the company to become fast-growing organizations such as yours for example what that means is today's reality is probably going to not reflect what the reality is in 12 months time so The job of an employer brand is to uh, authentically represent Mm -hmm. the strategic aspects, the fundamental truths of culture that won't change. But if there is aspects of culture that needs to change, then it's a device to do that as well with authenticity. So Mm -hmm. rather than just be aspirational and say things that aren't true, storytelling is that bridge that takes you from where you are, protects what you want to keep hold of but then also starts to help you mold culture and and shift towards what you need to be as well. So we've seen some fantastic sort of examples of that, but, most of the time when we do our research, there's some fundamental obstacles and challenges. And that Blizzard Entertainment, which is where that photograph was taken, the mm-hmm. shield and the sword. The shield, yeah. Yeah. Blizzard, you get you get a sword, a proper sword. Like they have wow. somebody who works for Blizzard who makes actual swords that could actually okay. kill you, which is amazing. <laughs> That's
0: amazing in it, and of itself, yeah. yes.
1: <laughs> so you get the sword after five years as a show of commitment, right? But then for for the next five years, you have to roam Blizzard unprotected because at 10 years you get the shield. So I think one year you get a ring, which is very nice. Um, Mm -hmm. And then 25 years you get this helmet, which is (laughs) really heavy. It's just, so they're very protective of the culture and it's all, yeah. it's amazing. But one story that um, stood out, this won't make you cry. Like, don't worry. This won't make you cry. But okay, one no, I might out, have to get my, my tissue.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's they wanted to attract the best artists in the world and they have the, some of the best artists in the world because their artwork, their games are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But what they noticed was for years and years, they didn't have any young blood coming through. They only really had people joining later on in their career and they didn't know why. And they just assumed that that's just how it is. Through our research, we realized that there was, I mean, we spoke to the new starters and they didn't help us either. <laughs> they didn't shed any light on us. They so were like, what is going on? So what we had to do is speak to people they've reached out to, but not engaged. And what we discovered was Lizard Entertainment had such a reputation for being so creative and the standard of art was so high
2: mm-hmm.
1: that there was young artists out there, incredibly talented, but just didn't feel like they were good enough yet. Yeah. So Lizard was a victim of their own um, yeah, reputation. Sure. Mm-hmm. So they needed to be more approachable. So this, we use storytelling to tell stories of existing employees who still had a sense of imposter syndrome and demonstrated vulnerability around mm-hmm. their own capability and talking about how they still looked around them and couldn't believe that they were part of Blizzard. So the power of storytelling really effectively broke down walls and encouraged more young talent to say, hey, maybe I am good enough and maybe this is a place to learn and grow and that kind of stuff. So th- those are the types of stories that we look for to overcome practical challenges mm-hmm. as well as making people cry, but making emotionally. Yeah, emotional... Absolutely making emotional uh, connections. There is a very powerful emotional story, one of the largest airlines we've ever worked with. I probably shouldn't say exactly which airline, but it it is one of the world's largest airlines that is an American airline. Have we got got time for another story? We do, absolutely. Stories are fabulous. Storytelling
0: is powerful. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments in employer branding research of the, in the company. I walk into this massive hangar, this aircraft hangar, and I'm meeting these big, burly, it was all men, big, burly uh, mechanical engineers. Okay. They're all sat there with their arms folded and they were all scowling. It wasn't the warmest of receptions. <laughs> And they're being controlled by two different unions. There's all sorts of contract wars going on. And here's me asking them, hey, what do you love about this place? And it couldn't have gone down (laughs) worse. I'm I'm 20 minutes in thinking, I am absolutely being shot down. It was just (laughs) tumbleweed was the only evidence of of life on earth at this point. So until one saviour, saint of an engineer started to open up to me, Mm -hmm. Um, He started to open up by saying these words. I hate it here. I hate every day of working here at the moment. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Good news, somebody spoke and acknowledged I was in the room. Bad news is this doesn't sound like not too many people are going to cry at this story. But anyway, um, he says, look, the thing is, I stay here every day for a a very good reason. he said, my parents were Mormon." We didn't have electricity. We had horse and cart, and we lived off the land. Hmm. And My son has just graduated from Harvard. Hmm. So in one generation, we've gone from barely running water, no electricity, living off land, to Ivy League uh, education, and the world is his He's already got uh, job offers, and he's going to do very well. And he said the reason that is, and he puffed his chest out, and he could tell he was filled with pride, he said, working for this airline, I can fly anywhere in the world for free.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And and what that means is when my son was doing a science project, uh, a geography project, and wanted to understand a little bit more about about Petra and the archaeological aspects, I took him there. When he did a history project, I took him to stand in the middle of the Colosseum in Rome. Yeah, I gave him, the gift of experience in life he's grown up and he's socially intelligent he's appreciates the world around him and I gave him an immersive um, education and and that's because of what my uh, job has afforded him Mm -hmm. and it was such a goosebumps moment sure that it, what it did was it brought much higher purpose. It's got nothing to do with nuts and bolts and fixing airplanes. And of course, they took pride in keeping airplanes in the sky because mm-hmm. safety was priority number one. Yeah. But it gave real higher meaning. And that one story opened up a raft of all different types of higher purpose stories in, in the room. And that's how we ultimately designed the, the strategy to engage with more mechanical engineers, even though they all quite clearly hated being there
0: yeah you know what that reminds me of, that's a very touching and really compelling story, and it I think also just shows the sacrifice of parents, what we do for our kids, right? Yeah. And but it makes me think about your first book and the importance of the emotional connection to an mm-hmm. employer brand. And regardless of whether it was an airline or some other large engineering or highly technical, organization. I don't think you think about the emotion, right? You think about safety first or quality and all the other attributes that you think about when you think about organizations like that. Maybe you could share with our listeners a little bit about, let's just pull the thread on that story a little bit, because I think it raises the importance of the emotional connection for employer brands and how large... Corporations of all sizes really can think about tapping into that emotional component as a really important piece of their brand strategy.
1: Yeah, we believe that if you can't make an emotional connection, then we haven't done our job. We're all human. Our brain thinks that we react emotionally six times faster than we do rationally. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all emotional beings. Every decision we ever make is emotional, even if yep. it feels rational. And story is the best way to put ideas into the world because we elicit empathy that way what we set out to do uh, isn't just to make brands more attractive. We want to create such a compelling message that we actually want to polarize an external audience. So some people lean in whilst other yeah. people are saying, that's not for me.
0: This is give and get,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and emotional storytelling is, is at the heart of it. And the formula we use for that, which is tried and tested, goes through, again, this is, this me knowing enough to be dangerous with psychology, but we (laughs) have actually tested this for years, is we start with empathy. And that's not just about getting attention. It's about creating affinity. Mm -hmm. And then we go through the the sequence of curiosity. So that's when people lean in and go "Mm -hmm," and Mm -hmm. then surprise, then insight. And then you can ask for, for action. So basically we're engaging the emotional side of the brain, turning on and getting the attention of the rational side of the brain. And once we've gone through those gears and we've got full attention and affinity, that's that's when uh, you can create a call to action. And from an affinity perspective, you'll either have it or not. You either be turned away or you'll be drawn in. And that's the principle. That's, that's exactly what we're trying to create with a powerful uh, employer brand that should do its job of being a smart filter rather than mm-hmm. a magnet.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple of things I just wanted to dig into there. And I think the first is hearing you talk about Empathy, emotion, passion, being really important human emotions and drivers of doing like a job well done. So yeah. people are just really passionate about a mission. And if employers are good at tapping into that, then they can create world-class experiences for candidates and employees. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I'm, I'm just like validating my thinking here. <laughs> um, yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
0: I was thinking about that, particularly the culture piece, and juxtaposed against the world we're living in right now, where people are we're more digital now than we ever have been before. I think like the world was going that way, anyways, and then now we are here living amidst a global pandemic. And so employees are all remote. We're Zooming, we're teaming, we're doing everything digitally, online. We don't have that human connection. It's really hard to create those really important human connection points, empathy, passion. So how can employers really support a culture and pull through those important opportunities today? And have you worked with companies who are struggling with this now who feel like, wow, this happened, You're like, here's our culture, this is what's happening in the world. And how do we reconnect people to our culture when we're more digital than ever?
1: So I love this question for so many reasons. <laughs> awesome. Because it allows me to talk with passion about something that I'm really focusing on at the moment. And if you think about what's happened in 2020, it's the ultimate test for culture, Mm-hmm. And if people, if, if there's leaders in organizations who think that um, a pool table, a ping pong table, free M&Ms and <laughs> a slide rather than stairs is culture, then they're the ones that are struggling. Whereas if you can still maintain that sense of belonging, impact and purpose while desperately spread out working from home, watching, looking at people through little cameras and yeah. screens like this
0: <laughs> like we are exactly
1: <laughs> then then actually we you're on to something and it's we were talking about this just personally with with our team and we've talked about it with clients and all the rest of it and actually whilst people are struggling because they can't switch off the working too much some sure. people are working alone and feeling isolated just in in life in general yeah um there's also a lot of examples of organizations cultures getting stronger because we're forced to be present,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and we're, we're actually thinking about other people with more empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. and having to work harder to make personal human connection, even though we're miles and miles a- apart. And the reason that I think 2020 is the ultimate test for culture is because the things that are important to a culture, and a culture is just nothing more than a set of uh, predictable behaviors, that's all culture is. The organisations that will thrive are the ones that have been getting it right and focusing on a people first approach, because that doesn't change. If you sure. consider it compassionate, empathetic, supportive, you understand uh, the situation of your colleague and you're working together as a, a cohesive team. Then, then actually uh, being alone just changes the circumstance, but it doesn't change what you believe in and what you stand right. for. Right. And then, if you take the foundation of what you stand for, and then apply it to new situations and circumstance, then actually, in a world of change and volatility and mm-hmm. um, you know unpredictability, those consistencies of your culture are what will get you through, and in many cases, bind you and bond you together stronger. So, I don't buy that working alone at home in isolation makes culture harder. You've got to put a little bit more effort in, but it's perfectly achievable.
0: Sure. Yeah. We talk about that at EQRX quite a bit because as we're definitely an employee first, talent first organization, employees are front and center for us. And for us attracting people who are really passionate about our mission, which is really bold pretty audacious. There's no blueprint for what we're building. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Finding people who want to be part of that mission and sign up for the journey is really important to us. But mm-hmm. I do think even in the situation where we find ourselves today, to your point, we find people um, working harder to lean in and to be empathetic to people who are either on their immediate team or cross-functional team and really understanding the reality they're living in while still contributing to advancing the mission. And it's just a really important thing, but we often talk about imagine when this is over and we're all able to get together for the first time because we've interviewed, hired and onboarded people that we've never met in person before. Imagine what a celebration that's going to be. And imagine like what a cultural just strengthening time that will be for us because we feel like we already have this amazing culture and let's just wait till we're all back. It's going to be like this giant celebration. But I I agree with what you're saying. It is really the time for, it's not establishing the culture, but an opportunity to make it even stronger. If you
1: think, I mean, your company, when did you start? was it January this year.
0: Yes. Yes. We launched publicly in January. Yeah.
1: Is that the best time or the worst time to start a company? I don't know, you know, But if you think about the strength in your culture that exists now, they say we start a business in recession because if you can get through those early <laughs> stages all the rest of it, just think how strong you're going to be when you come right. out. It. If you think about how hard you've had to work, how cognitively tuned in to thinking and caring and supporting and resourcing your people
2: mm-hmm. from
1: January that you've had to do, what a solid foundation to carry you forward. Yeah. Um, I think your organization stands for something incredible, but how you've navigated that so far and all the rest of it, especially through these circumstances, if you stick to walk the walk that your mm-hmm. talk lays out, yeah, you know, that's it's such a solid foundation to to um, to build on top of, and it's it'll be an exciting time for you when when all of this nonsense is over.
0: Yeah, for sure, absolutely, and thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I think it brings me to sort of the next topic, which is really the topic of your book, which is, I think it's really important for employers and employer brands to to be their authentic selves, to help candidates really understand what the inside is like and what the culture is like, and to give people the opportunity to opt in and opt out on that mission. We've spent a lot of time focused on that because this journey isn't for everyone and where we're going after it and we're going after it really hard. And so yeah. we want people to be really sure about this when they sign up for this amazing journey. So can we talk a little bit about that? I think some people might read your book and say, Oh, I'm, I'm repelling all these great candidates could potentially be great candidates. And I won't know until they're here. Why do I want to <laughs> So really, what do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> so by and large, generally speaking, there's no bad companies out there. Some are better than others, and some are bad, but by and large. <laughs> and there's also no such thing really as a bad candidate. What there is is a bad match. You show me a hectic pressure cooker of an environment that is just so pressurized and deadline focused and all the rest of it that is hell for most people. I will be able to show you somebody who thrives on the mm-hmm. exhilaration and energy. And yeah. there's always somebody who thrives in those situations. You know, similarly, show me the happiest, most laid back um, people focused organization. I'll, I'll show you someone bored because they, they're they more good. You know, so it's not good and bad. It's, it's about whether it's well matched or, mm-hmm. or not. But do you know the real cool thing about this, the hidden sort of secret in it all is The fact is, we all want to put our best foot forward. And when we're proud of an organization, we talk about the strengths, the benefits, and the opportunities of working there. And we show off with pride of what we have to offer.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, that's very nice. But when you think about a candidate applying for a role, and they're trying to find purpose, impact, and belonging, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest driving questions is, okay, let's just say I get the job. Can I do it? Do I have what it takes to thrive? You know? Yeah, what if people don't like me? What if there isn't right. enough opportunity? What if it just doesn't fit? What if I get in there and I find I, I don't believe in, in the ethics? Or what if you know I need structure? What if it's there's no structure? What if this and this? There's lots and lots of questions. And it's a very important decision. Buying a house, getting married, having kids, career. So being upfront with, hey, here's what you need to know. And we always play a game with our, our clients. If it was your job, in fact, let's play it with you. If it was your job, <laughs> So to convince somebody not to apply for a role in your organization, and you couldn't lie, what would you say? So what's the biggest harsh reality you would use as a barrier to put people off? What would you say?
0: Wow, I think I would really struggle with that answer because (laughs) I think everything is amazing about (laughs) EQRS. Probably why I joined. I'm probably like one of the biggest cheerleaders of the organization, but if you're really going to force me to come up with one thing, I would say that people come here with a purpose to be an industry disruptor. And that is really hard to do. It's not a slam dunk. So it's just, it's hard work and you got to dig in.
1: And if you're not up for that,
0: then you're not up for it. And that's okay.
1: Yeah. So some people will have the passion, but they haven't got the staying power. Yeah. What I'm hearing is, look, we want that energy, we want that passion, we want that drive, but you need to be resilient, and you need to be yeah. patient, and you need to be willing to hear no more than you'll hear yes. Mm-hmm. We want people to knock down walls and just let them know all the rest of it. Now, yeah, exactly. That is the that's the start of a give and get, two way value exchange. That's very easy to to clearly imagine what it might be like and that's the type of information that potential employees candidates want to hear because somebody is purpose-driven but it would drive them crazy to hear no and, and actually they want instant gratification some sure. people out there that's then this might not be the place for mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. this is what we're trying to get to so it's not bad candidates not bad companies it's just yeah. better matched people and companies so if we can tell stories that Set out the expectations and the demands, and the sacrifices and commitments, as well as the upside. Not only is it more three hundred and sixty transparent, but uh, what we find is by talking in that way, it also elevates the upside as well. And do you know who does it the best in the world out of any sort of collective of of people that I've ever seen? I'll give you a guess. Have a guess. Who do you think?
0: It's not us. <laughs>
1: I'm going to put you number two in the okay. list, all right? All right.
0: What
1: would that be? I'm going to put you number two in the list. <laughs> it's the Navy SEALs. If we have to
0: come in second, I'll come in second behind them. They also have bold, audacious, daring missions. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, there's a lot of, see, that's why you're second. There's a lot of parallels, lots and lots. But if you think about it, the Navy SEALs, they have something called Hell Week. Yes, That doesn't sound like two weeks in Carbo to me. That sounds... But if you think about it, people are drawn to the Navy SEALs and they try and get into the Navy SEALs, not despite Hell Week. If I want to be a Navy SEAL, like Mm -hmm. I'll just have to work my way around Hell Week. Right. They're attracted because of Hell Week to see if they've got what it takes to thrive and get through. Yeah. And if they do get through, then they wear the badge with incredible pride. Yeah. A lot of pride internally. What do people... What was the one word you would say if when you see uh, Navy SEALs walking around with that badge?
0: I would say power, conviction, and safety. Okay, cool. So what I would say is that adds up
1: to an en- enormous amount of respect. Okay, yes, so on the intern- exactly. inside, they're really proud. And mm-hmm. externally, we're, we've got an enormous amount of respect.
2: Yeah.
1: I've got that respect for the Navy SEALs. Yep. Despite never, ever wanting to be one, <laughs> I prefer not to get shot at for a living. And I've, been, I've, I've seen some terrible candidate experiences in my time, but nothing that constitutes hell week. OK, <laughs> but if you think about it, there's a lot of strengths, benefits and opportunities to being part of a Navy SEAL. So knowing about hell week and what they've got to get through and the standard that you, yeah. they're held to. Some would say that is horrible. It's disastrous. It's a negative. It's a reason not to join all the rest of it. Most people, in fact, ninety nine point nine percent, would say, "Hell no, that's no not thanks." For me. Okay, there is a small few that are attracted and compelled to that, sure. and yeah. that's what we do. So, so it's a really finally, great example. Yeah. So, if you take the adversity inside any organization, that is where the value typically lives. Mm -hmm. that's where the value of your brand the greatest football team in the world liverpool football club when they score Mm -hmm. a goal kiss the badge yes that represents the quality of the team the hard work on the uh, training field and the standards that they've achieved together it's the hard work of every training session every time they get in an ice bath every time they do that extra (laughs) half hour of free kick taking and all the rest of it right that's what it represents so if you ever hear passion and pride in a research Uh, workshop or whatever, don't just say we we are very proud and that we're very passionate. Dig deeper because when you get to the harsh reality of your organization, the adversity of the employee experience, then Mm -hmm. you get into the good stuff. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. That was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that example. I know we are literally just about out of time, but one thing I like to ask every guest on our show is what's the best advice you ever received?
1: Ooh, the best advice I ever received right at the start of my career. I had a a career coach that told me to double my prices. That was awesome (laughs) advice. Uh, (laughs) I love it. That was us then. Since then, um, thinking 10 times bigger than you originally planned for.
2: Yeah. And
1: trying to have a mindset of abundance. And that sounds fluffy and about happiness as well. But actually, I've found that it's the best and quickest way to get real results in life. So so that's what I would say.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. It's been great having you on our podcast. I know our listeners... Likely learned a lot from our discussion today. So for all of you out there in podcast land, please be sure to check out PH Creative and check out Brian's book, Give Get, which is an awesome and entertaining read. I guarantee you will learn something and enjoy it. And Brian, thanks for being here. And for our listeners, thanks for listening to How Do You EQ. Um, if you like this, remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Adori. And please tune in next time. So be safe out there, people. Peace.
1: EQRX is remaking medicine. Join us. Visit EQRX.com careers to apply.